Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Huntington Study Group. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we've got some, <clears throat> got more than one person. Uh, we've got Seth and BJ, who are very well known in the community, um, on, and we're going to be discussing um, basically brainstorming and sharing with the um, with the HD community talks that we've had about the urgency that we're feeling um, in the community uh, in regards to getting a, a treatment as well as um, changing criteria for Huntington's. And um, so we're going to delve into that today. Um, Seth and BJ, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Lauren, thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. So I'm going to have you guys um, – each share your story because I want everybody to know first why we are, um, I titled the show, We Need an Army, but I want people to understand why we in particular are um, trying to make a change. Seth, could you start? Sure. And I'll try to give the high level overview because I, I know how important it is for us to dive deeper into this, this sense of urgency and building this army up. But my, my HD background started actually about 15 years ago at the age of 15. So for those that are good at math, you can figure out I, uh, how old I am. <laughs> but it was definitely similar to most HD stories where my mom was showing these drunk-like movements, poor balance, slurred speech, and these like ticking type movements. We didn't know what that was. She had the mood swing. She had the cognitive decline. And so it wasn't until 15 years ago when she was officially diagnosed, but it was years prior to that, that we noticed something was off. And so when learning about HD in our family through my mom, it was kind of like, let's go to Google. Let's look to see what's, what's this HD thing all about? And then looking at the symptoms and seeing that my mom had a lot of them was quite scary, especially as a a high school student trying to fit in in with my peers, trying to fit in with society and really being in in denial because I didn't know how to react to it, how to deal with it until years later when I realized that I was at risk and had a 50-50 chance of inheriting it, ending up like my mom one day. And so Fast forward five years, when I was 20 years old, decided to go through genetic testing. Very personal decision. Uh, It's very important to kind of go through all the steps, get the professional support through a genetic counselor. And I found out I tested positive for it and could end up like my mom one day. And, you know, I think 
for me, I used those results as motivation to get more involved in the community, you know, to get involved through HGSA's, you know, Massachusetts chapter. I was the president for a few years, get involved with the National Youth Alliance. I know the three of us were involved in different steps or overlapped in some capacity, eventually getting involved with HDO and was on their board. But I think more recently, you know, after having talks with you, Lauren, and, and you, BJ, and, and others, realizing I just don't have, although I'm 30 and my mom started showing symptoms in her early 40s, I don't have five years or, or 10 years to wait around for a potential treatment that's supposed to slow it down when I think we need to act earlier on within the HD kind of stages and not wait until someone is clinically diagnosed to treat them. So that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of speed that part, part up, but I'll pass it on over to BJ to share a little bit about his HD story. Yeah, thanks, Seth. That's great. And uh, I'm on dad duty today, so I have a little one chasing me around yelling dad at, so apologies if that's in the background. Um, you know, similar story to Seth. Uh, I've been in the HD community for now 25 years after my mom was diagnosed. Uh, you know, the one thing that, that she changed uh, from my life is she got involved right away. She was involved in the HGSA chapter. Uh, she got involved with her, her congressmen, educating them about Huntington's. And uh, that really sparked my family's efforts. You know, we've held, uh, we held a, a hoopathon fundraiser for 15 years in Minneapolis. Uh, my family was very involved in the HSA Minneapolis chapter, uh, spent some time uh, very involved in the National Youth Alliance with HDSA. That led me to uh, helping be a co-founder of the Huntington's Disease Youth Organization, where I spent the last 10 years as board chair, and uh, recently stepped away last summer just to, to take a step back from HD and just to look at it in a bigger picture and figure out you know, what I can do with, with my skills and my knowledge and my passion. Uh, personally, I, I tested negative for HD. My sister tested negative, so there's no family bloodline of, of HD in my future. But, you know, friends that I've met, Seth, Lauren, many others uh, who are on a different path, they, we got to do something. And, um, you know, 25 years, is, you know, thinking about it, it's a long time. And I still don't feel like we're, we're where we should be with the amount of energy, the amount of people, the amount of money that's gone into HD. And, I think we need to all regroup as a community, and I look forward to this conversation today of just brainstorming some ideas, asking some questions of really what's needed to speed up this this um, opportunity for more disease-modifying treatments to come to market. Lauren, I'll pass it back over to you. Thank you, guys. And, you know, it's so, so funny. Every single time I hear your stories, it just reminds me how similar our stories are um, because I found out about Huntington's and my family when I was 15. And I tested at 20 um, and tested positive. So it's always so funny to hear the other stories because we are literally on the same track. And, um, and it's scary, you know. Um, of course, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 35 now, so I'm even closer. Um, and so I think, I think what I personally am struggling with and what I know that Seth and BJ have been talking about this, it's this, you know, we keep hearing, you know, we need to have this hope. And they're, I'm not saying we don't need hope. Like, I'm, but we're at a point in our lives where there's this sense of urgency that we need to get this done. And why isn't it moving faster? Um, and those are the talks that we've had. 
I'm actually going to have Seth and BJ talk about their thoughts on why is there a sense of urgency in the community um, in relation to not only treatment, but changing other things in the community. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hop in first. It's, you're right, Lauren, where, you know, we're, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'm considered pre-symptomatic, right? But, again, I can't just wait around for another five years for a treatment. I can't wait around for another 10 years. Like, that could be too late. Uh, you know, what I, when I hear these companies saying, hey, the goal is to slow it down or to halt it, but, you know, once you're clinically diagnosed, to me, that's too late. And so how do we get into uh, treating people like myself who are considered pre-symptomatic, especially knowing just last year, you know, there's an article that came out talking about neurofilament light chain um, could be seen as a biomarker that can show changes in HD patients more than 20 years prior to clinical symptoms. And so, you know, when you think about it from that perspective, you say, well, how come we're not treating earlier? And how come companies might be hesitant? I think one of those reasons to also think about is that with the FDA, and that's the Food and Drug Administration, who uh, approves treatments for different health conditions, you know, the, they want to see a clear benefit of, of the drug in a timely manner, right? And so, of course, with motor symptoms, it's a lot easier to see those versus perhaps cognitive changes unless we're looking at the right biomarkers. And so for me, it's kind of like, how do we use these as like maybe not the main endpoints that companies are looking at, but the secondary endpoints that can also be studied because we have enough data out there through predict HD, through change HD, through track HD, through enroll. Like there's so many studies out there. There's so much data, but yet what are we doing with that data and how do we, and I'm going to take this, this page out of BJ's book. How do we, you know, rather than being on the company's timeline, and when I say company, I'm thinking pharmaceutical biotech companies, rather than being on their timeline, how can they be on our timeline and shift that dynamic and viewpoint? So that's kind of my thought is I think there's two parts of this. One is, you know, finding the right biomarkers so that we can treat people earlier on. But I think it also is that clinical diagnostic criteria uh, unified Huntington's disease rating scale, as we all know, has a heavy focus on motor symptoms. Uh, that we also know that we need to change that. We need to update it. I know a lot of community members are starting to rally behind this cause of, hey, we need to update this to show that cognitive changes can happen. Because I really think that that can help treat people better, or even give them access to potential, you know, clinical trial opportunities or treatment options in the future. So that's. That's kind of my viewpoint on why we need to really bring more urgency rather than just kind of waiting around saying, all right, we'll, we'll wait until the companies are ready to help us out versus, no, you know, we're going we're gonna to take the first step and make this happen. Yes, Seth, I'll, I'll try to jump on a few of those points. But, you know, in general, I heard you say a handful of things. You know, it, this isn't easy, right? Finding a treatment for Huntington's is incredibly difficult, and it's not – just up to the pharmaceutical companies. You know, you mentioned the FDA, you mentioned, you know, diagnostic criteria, which is cl clinicians. You know, you talk about clinical trials, that's us as the patient community. And then you talk about, you know, potential access too. that, that involves insurance companies and, and, um, and other regulation bodies who, who help pay for medicine. So this is, 
it's complex, right? Like there's a lot of things that need to be changed. And I just, I feel like we need to get better aligned with the community. Um, I feel like there's a lot of really smart people doing a lot of great things, but we need to figure out a way to, to work better together with share what we're all doing in order to, to all get on the same page on that same goal of new treatments. And, you know, we had a big setback, right? Like we all thought, we all had that hope that, you know, the Roche, Genentech, the wave medicines were going to be on the right track. And, and that didn't happen this year. And I think that that set us back. Um, but I don't think we can just, you know, kick back and say, all right, well, it's another five years. Cause that's what I do here. The conversation is, well, Hey, we have a really strong pipeline. Well, great. But, but that pipeline is not going to be for everybody. Like people needed the potential positive effects that, you know, the, the Roche Genentech medicine had, and they may not be around for that future pipeline. So great hope is good, but let's be realistic too. Um, that hope is not for everybody. And uh, I'd like to change that. We've got a lot of people who, who need something. We have a lot of motivated, smart people who can help them. So let's, uh, let's get, get something figured out where we're on the same page and we're working together to, to speed it up. If it's a day, if it's a week, if it's a month, let's do what we can. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of also add to that is regarding the, the Rose Genentech study. I know that it was definitely a big hit to the community and it probably caught a lot of people off guard because again, we saw the potential and the positive data in that phase one study um, but I think the other part is, is understanding that it does take a long time to bring a drug to market. It does take time to make sure you have the proper data in a larger sample. Um, but that being said, you know, I think the other part of this, you know, Roche Genentech study is even though, you know, it, it got what some people say discontinued, some people say failed, depending on who you are. Um, yes, we've learned from it, but I think there's, and I'm not trying to, I'm not going to say hope, but I think there's still potential that there could be something out of it because, you know, hearing from the community, some people who may, again, they don't know if they had the drug or if they're on the placebo, placebo, but perhaps they're thinking, well, maybe it did help in other capacity. But again, because of that unified Huntington's disease rating scale being utilized, it had a heavier focus on motor symptoms. And I remember, you know, one community member even saying, you know, the, the score rating was, I think, was like a one through five. Well, is a three out of five technically passing, right? But is that still considered good or bad? And so it's looking at little things like that. And I'm sure Roche and Genentech are looking at this data. But I think we, we need to kind of, uh, you know, in all honesty, push, push a little bit more to say, hey, like, we can't wait until this fall to, for you to give us data, like we, we need to see what's going on, listen to the updates and figure out what we can do as a community to maybe there's a subtype of group within this larger uh, sample from the Roche study that it did work positively. Maybe they need to treat earlier. And I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out is what, what's the bigger reason for some companies being hesitant um, and I know we can kind of dive deeper into that, but I think if it does fall into some of those stakeholders that, you know, BG and I referenced, the FDA, 
pharmaceutical biotech companies, the community, what our role is as well. So that's kind of my initial thoughts on Roche is like, yes, it's, it sucks, but I think if, if we can try to figure out from that experience what, what we can get out of it, because that's the closest we have right now, maybe there is something there. Who knows? Well, and I think, too, um, those are all really, really good points, Beth. Um, <clears throat> I think, too, from the Roche trial, um, you know, I think that it, because of the way that it failed, um, we can take the information and then apply it. So, you know, one of the things that when I've been talking to other people, um, researchers and, and stuff about that trial, what they did find is that it does seem to work in, you know, earlier onset or pre-manifest um, because the brain is not so damaged. So if they that's their push right there. That's our push that we need to realize that this disease doesn't have to be a diagnosis when you're to a point of, having movement, um, there should be an earlier diagnosis, one, because it would make it easier to get help you need, mental health services, um, a, a neuropsych baseline test, um, you know, mm -hmm. yearly visits all covered, right, by insurance or all covered by something that right now we're afraid to say anything about because we don't want to be penalized uh, or discriminated mm -hmm. against. So that would take away that burden of, of discrimination and not getting the, the access you need. And on top of that, that would open us up for these clinical trials that they've already shown is more beneficial the earlier you can get it. Um, you know, it's working with, it's like BJ said, it's coming together and working with the um, Everybody that's in, invested in HD, the community, the pharmaceutical companies, FDA, um, you know, and making a big change because it's needed. We haven't had the change we needed. And I think that this Roche failure, and I do call it a failure because it feels like we're starting over, um, it doesn't have to be a complete failure, right? We can still take stuff from it and realize that. Um, we are not starting back at the very beginning. We've got stuff now where we go, okay, well, we know this works and we can start at this point. Um, so that is the positivity I get from it. And the I'm with BJ. The word hope really um, is hard for me right now because, as we've all discussed, um, I might not have five years. You know, Seth, you might not have five years. We've got friends in the community who might not have five years. So, yeah, we need it now. And, and so how do we do that? How, I, you know, I really think it involves getting an army of people together and being very loud about the changes that we need. Yeah, Lauren, we definitely need, you know, I've seen this in other rare disease communities, but, you know, I love the Huntington's community. You know, they've been a part of my life. I have so many you know, lifelong friends, but it's, it's not a very loud community. You know, we need to, we need to raise our voices. We need to share our stories. We need to, 
you know, demand things go faster. You know, going on the word hope, I feel like hope is used when you have no impact on the outcome. You know, I hope, I hope it goes well. Well, if you practice and if you prepare and if you do everything you need, you don't need hope. Like, you know, it's going to go well. So I think that's just the way we need to change. Like, what do we need to do? What can we look in the mirror and, and figure out how we as individuals in the HD community can do something a little bit more, can join some kind of, you know, you mentioned an army. Um, I think we all have a lot to give here. We all need to find a way to give a little bit more. Now, exactly what that is, I don't, I don't think we know just yet, but that's what we're trying to ask the questions to, to figure out is what, what's that first step? What's the strategy to, uh, to bring, bring better treatments to market? Other conditions have figured it out. Time for us as the HD community to figure it out too. And I would also just say it's it's not, you know, it's not about any type of like, hey, you need to go to HGSA, Help for HD, HDO. We have a phase, you know, Huntington Society of Canada, right? There's all these Huntington's disease organizations, and then there's also advocates. You know, I'll speak for myself. You know, I'm not necessarily associated directly with any of those anymore. Still love all these organizations because to me it's, you know, they're, they're doing something and that's better than nothing. But what I'm saying is how do we bring everyone together to say, hey, we all want to help the HD community, but rather than just saying, hey, we're going to be hopeful and just wait, it's like, hey, no, we're going to actually brainstorm and these, you know, three to five things is what we want to do. And, you know, for me personally, right, I, I'm going to say, well, how do we update this diagnostic criteria? How do we rally against that to say, hey, we need to update this for patients to be acknowledged if they are dealing with changes in the brain, which we can see through MRI scans, right? Uh, we can see what a normal brain looks like versus a, an HD brain um, or other biomarkers, right, that we we can see changes. Uh, and then the other part is, you know, I think also just taking taking a look at what these other communities have either done in the past or currently doing. So look at the AIDS epidemic, you know, in in the late 80s and how much urgency they had. Yes, it was a larger community, but, you know, they were saying, hey, we're going to come together. We're going to put our differences aside, whatever those are, and we're going to really make some noise. We're going to go to the FDA and say, hey, we need something now. Same with the ALS community. They're doing that right now. Same with, you know, the Duchenne community that did that to get a, you know, a drug approved that allowed, you know, these children to live longer lives and so to me it's kind of like we need to really start making some noise we need to, to perhaps go to F, to the fda as a community not as individuals as a community to say hey we need changes now this is what we're hoping to do and let's make it happen absolutely um i, I am 100 percent in agreement with that um i think that um, it's that's what we need to do. It's no, it's not about any organization, any HD organization. They're great. They're all helping us. But here's the thing: we as a community need to um, and fight for this because at the end of the day, it's not about HDSA. It's not about help for HD. It's not about any of these other organizations. It's our lives, and if we're not fighting for them, 
and we're just waiting and expecting other people to do it, nothing's going to happen. We're going to stay where we are, and there's not going to be a treatment. So I am with Steph. We've got to go as a community, put any differences aside, and realize that we have this one goal, and we're trying to, as a community, make it better for us. Um, that could be, you know, James Valvarno's got this great website, um, where he has started um, petitioning for a change to the diagnostic criteria for Huntington's, which I totally support. Um, and I think, you know, that's a starting place, right? And then once we have a starting mm-hmm. place and, and we get the diagnostic criteria changed, then we can go to our next step and we can look at um, other things that need to change in, in order to speed this process up. So we're not, you know, feeling like we're just sitting back and waiting for everybody else and being on everybody else's timeline. I love how you put that, Beth, in in that we want it to be on our timeline. Um, So thank you for that. And I, Seth, you brought up a good thing yesterday about um, a town hall. So I think my question is, where do we go from here and what would our next steps be? Warren, if I could yeah, jump I mean, in, you know, I, here, oh, yeah, let me go one one quick thing, Seth. Yeah. You know, I think what we need, and that can lead into what a you know a town hall is, or how do we how do we get everyone's opinion in here, is think of what Enroll HD did. Like Enroll HD came out ten years ago, and it was a rallying call for everybody, right? It, every organization, um, every physician, every family was on the same page. It was we need data. And you can do your part as a patient, as a caregiver, or someone at risk. You know, go and give your time, go and give your your uh, your samples to this study that that I do think has changed the trajectory positively of HD. But what's that next enroll? You know, we now have so much data. Is that really what we need today from people? And, and I think having a, a town hall, which Seth, I'll, I'll pass to you. What is that next thing we need that we can all get together on, that we can all bring together our, our needs as a community for, for the folks that need this the most and, and start moving the ball? Yeah, I mean, the reason I brought up some type of town hall is, again, it's, it's, to me, it's don't reinvent the wheel. See what's working in other communities. And, you know, I've seen several not that probably many, especially in the rare disease space, they have these town halls where it's discussing kind of like, here's some of the challenges and here's how we want to tackle them, or here's what we're hoping to do. You know, I, I do agree that, you know, there's a lot of pieces here and now it's like, how do we figure out the smaller pieces, right? The end goal, I think, and I can say this for all of us, the end goal is yes, to find a treatment, right? In time, find a treatment in time for those living with HD. But to get there, you need to take a, a further step back and say, okay, what are the smaller steps we can do, such as that diagnostic criteria, that, uh, you know, that petition perhaps that you sign on to that says, hey, I want this updated. Or, you know, again, I don't know how much say your neurologist might have, but, you know, talking to them about this so that they're aware of this as well, right? I'm sure many of them are, but if we have the community voice, that's also important. I think the other thing, again, is trying to reach out to the community and say, hey, let's discuss what we need to do to continue to move forward 
with this Roche study and other studies so that, again, what is the call to action to these companies? It's not just saying, hey, you know, we're going to wait on you. It's like, hey, we're going to share our stories with your companies um, to make sure you're aware of not just the motor symptoms, but here's the cognitive and psychiatric symptoms, or, hey, we're going to make sure that your regulatory body is aware of this, or just understanding what the different potential trials are. I think it starts, though, because of where it's at and where we're kind of in a waiting period is having some type of town hall meeting about the Roche study, uh, bringing in different perspectives. So it's not just us saying, oh, this sucks, blah, 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 but like, hey, what what can we learn from it? But also, are there parts of it that we can now rally behind that's, hey, there's a subtype of group or, hey, maybe we do go into people earlier on, but how do we make that happen? And I think these companies sometimes might be hesitant. Again, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but to me, you know, I've told them for myself, I said, hey, if I'm willing to participate in the study, that is on me that I'm willing to take. And if I'm going to sign the paperwork to do it, then yeah, I'll do it. But I think it's it's making them aware that, hey, not everyone is hesitant to, to join this. People do want to participate in studies. People do want to help find treatment and ultimately either find a cure or find something that's going to slow it down for years to come. So I think it's trying to figure out some type of town hall, continue to kind of uh, voice these, these thoughts, not just from the three of us, but many other community members that I've spoken with and I'm sure you, you both have spoken with as well about how we need to change that hope into a sense of urgency. Absolutely. Um, and I think those that's probably going to be our next step in getting um, people involved is the call to action to a town hall, um, to join a town hall online, maybe via Zoom, um, in order to um, hash out some of this stuff and find out kind of where the community stands, what people are wanting to help with, they're willing to share their story, if they're willing to write a letter, um, you know, not not to government, but maybe FDA or maybe to, um, you know, to the uh, medical board that um, that's currently trying to change criteria. Because there is a, a, a medical advisory board that agrees with us that the criteria needs mm-hmm. to be changed in HD. So maybe we write letters to them, share their stories or share our stories with them so they're able to go back and make a change. Um, but I think that first step is going to be that down that town hall where we can actually talk as a community and really get together as a community um, to figure out next steps. Lauren and, and Seth, let me propose those because I know we didn't come in with like, well, hey, here's a town hall and here's the exact day and here's how to join. But you did mention right. about, you know, this was the purpose of this, you know, podcast chat was to start the conversation, to 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 throw it out there of here's how we're thinking. I know we're not the only three thinking this way. So maybe what I would suggest is, you know, if, if you're thinking in a similar capacity, as a patient, as a, a family member, as a physician, healthcare professional, a pharmaceutical company member, regulatory body, insurance company, if you're out there listening to this and you agree and you have ideas, you know, Lauren, I, I think, you know, your, your contact is probably connected to the podcast somewhere, or maybe you can provide an email 
And and then I would say let's let's take people's thoughts, let's take people's questions, and then let's come on here if it's in a couple weeks or a month and kind of have a little bit more of a tangible, hey, we're going to do this town hall. Here's what we've gained in the last month and provide people like an actual place where they can, you know, click to join and, and uh, take the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for anybody who is wanting, who is wanting to contact me, my email is lauren at help4hd.org. It's L-A-U-R-E-N at help and the number four and then hd.org. Um, so you guys can send me emails. You can contact me on Facebook, however you would like. Um, and I think uh, BJ's right. We can we can start that way and um, come on, you know, in a month or whatever to have more information and uh, next steps and go from there. I think that sounds like a great idea. Let's keep the momentum going. And, yeah, okay, just – you know, I guess Lauren, you're going to be the point person if, if and when people reach out. Um, but we're going to continue the conversation. So, for those that are, are listening, don't think this is just like a one-off conversation, and we're going to, you know, not talk or get provide an update within, you know, for another six months because that's not the case. Uh, we we talk on a fairly regular basis about what else we can do, and so now it's just reaching out to the community, the people that are that were you know, that we're connected to and that we're involved in to say, hey, join us, join this army uh, to really rally the troops and let's start making noise, let's start making a change. Yep, it's time to get loud. Um, you know, that's that's what we need to do. We need to become this army um, and we've got to get loud so we can make some type of change. Sounds great. Lauren, thanks for having us on. You know, appreciate the platform that, you know, you and Help for HD have built here and look forward to the continued conversation. And yeah, I mean, reach out to Lauren, but you can find Seth and I, uh, you know, anywhere on the internet. We look forward to the discussions. You know, don't be afraid. This isn't, at this point, this isn't something to be like, oh, should I send an email? Should I not? You know, if you're even thinking about it, press send. Please join us. Please let's start having the conversation. So we look forward to hearing from a lot of folks. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope that you have a great day. Take care, everyone. Yep, take care. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.